If nobody turned that one steer the four times you ran that night, you didn't get a turn in. You just didn't get to row. <laughs> Who in the heck loans you $30,000 to go rodeo? What are you talking about? We get done. We're like, this sucks. We're still going to do it. I, I can't stand it. So I just go up to him and I, I am like, is there something wrong with your brain? So we're officially hey, going. Unoffendable. You know, yeah, that that is our that really is our man. The name of the podcast is the Flatbed Podcast, and the reason it's for that is <laughs> Flatbed is like <laughs> so. This is the Flatbed Podcast, brought to you as always by Classic Ropes and Equinity Products. Okay, if you're driving, don't do this. But if you're not driving, please go rate and review the podcast. It is tremendous help. It helps us spread out to new audiences and people who may not have discovered the podcast yet. Dustin Cersei. Dustin's one that I, I'd heard the name. I'd kind of heard him around. I, I remember that uh, Wesley Thorpe had rode his horse at the NFR one year. I really liked the horse, so I'd, I'd heard the name. But uh, this is what Arizona does. You come out here, and you get to know the people that you've heard their names. Really enjoyed talking to Dustin. Just an extensive history, a guy that's been there, done that, and talking about what life looks like transitioning to a new career, where he's headed, what he's doing. Um, I think I, I, I'm almost positive I'd heard him on some like the X Factor podcast and stuff like that. So to get to sit down and get to know him better, we've hung out, we've gone over the rope. He's been over my house rope. Really enjoyed our time with Dustin. Good guy. I'm glad for you to meet him. I want to challenge you guys with something. There are a lot of companies that have put it on the line to help make this podcast possible. And even if you're not going to go buy a product from them today, maybe give them a shout out on social media, follow them, let them know you appreciate the support of the Flatbed Podcast and making this kind of content possible. Check out teamaquinity.com. Aquinity Horse XL has eight amino acids to promote cellular repair. No fillers, no sugars, no starches, no soy, no loading dose. I could not believe the difference it made in my horse in a short period of time. We're talking a few days, but wait until you see what it'll do in a month. Let me turn you guys on to something. I've been coming to Arizona for eight years. When I first got here, I'd always heard about how good the alfalfa is in the state of Arizona, and I couldn't find it. I had to feed so much of it. I was feeding stuff that was kind of falling apart and stimmy until I found Bales Hay in Buckeye, Arizona. Let me tell you all, baleshay.com is the website. You can also call them at 623-386-2988. This stuff, it's like you can flake it off in those half-inch flakes, you know what I'm talking about, which means I could feed less of it. It stores good. It stacks good. The horses eat it. It smells so good, it feels like you could eat it. I'm telling you guys what, I have been a paying customer for years for a reason. Bales Hay in Buckeye, Arizona. Check them out at baleshay.com. We are starting right now. We got Dustin Searcy. Dustin, welcome. Thanks for having where, me. Where was home originally? Where's like you were? I grew up in Oklahoma, a little town in northwest Oklahoma called Moreland. Northwest, um, and that's like So Panhandle? like two hours northwest of Oklahoma City. Okay. Before you get to the Panhill. I always tell people that because, like, the Panhill is not the prettiest place on earth. Right. Um, yeah, it kind of draws but, off the cliff So, there. like, it's right before you get to the Panhandle. So we still had some trees there. Right. You know, but it was a lot of sand hills and... Tornadoes and... Not many tornadoes, actually. Really? Yeah, not very many. I, I was only in one, and it was in college. Jeez. That's... So. It was I was a... roping whenever it hit, so that was fun. Ugh. Yeah. We were... My favorite tornado stories, we were in Paducah at the amateur rodeo one time. It's like two in the morning slack, and they full on shut everything down. Like, it's coming right here. Everybody go. We took off and drove and went to Childress. We get to Childress, stop for fuel, and we're in the truck stop there in Childress. And Roy Cooper, I've known Roy as long as I remember knowing anybody. He's in there. He's got two gallons of milk in his hand, and he's walking through the gas station. It's like 2.33 in the morning. And I go, what are you doing here? And he goes, getting milk. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. you don't know like that's the, the weird 
patterns and habits of tornadoes and travel and amateur rodeos. Like it's yeah. a, it was a part of the culture growing up. Yeah. It, it would reschedule your plans in a moment. Yeah. So there no, none, none there though. No, no, not really. Um, I was in college and I lived right next door to Shannon Frost. Okay. And he made the finals, you know, back in, I think it was 06. And he, he kind of was helping me with my roping and I would go rope with him every day. And he was great to me. That's where I really started to learn a lot about roping was kind of right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and thanks to him, you know, but we were out there roping and we were breaking in some steers and, uh, his neighbor pulls in and he's like, Hey, there's a storm coming up there, but it's about an hour and a half away. And he said, it's supposed to be pretty bad. Like it's up there in like Southwest Kansas. Cause I went to school in Alva, Oklahoma, okay. Northwestern Oklahoma state. So I'm in college and I'm like, and Shannon's like, okay. And we talked to him for maybe five minutes, no big deal. And we had one steer left in the pen and he was like, all right, you know, hide the call, whatever. You know, just messing around. And this is, don't get me wrong, this this is in the middle of the night. Like, we were, he had lights, and, like, it was hot. This is June. I was getting ready to go to the college finals. And Who'd you make the college finals with? uh, Kale Markham, my freshman year. And then I made it with, I roped with uh, a kid named Trey Harmon Mm -hmm. um, my sophomore year, but he didn't make it. So I had to rope with uh, Colin Domer, actually, from Kansas. Shout yep. out Colin Domer. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to yeah. interrupt. So you got one steer left. So he, we run the steer, and he had a big cottonwood tree at the, at the, be the west end of his arena, okay. like at the end. And when I undally off this steer, the bark comes off this tree and lands in the arena. Like the wind come out of nowhere and hits, Whoa. and it's blowing 50 miles an hour. Like it went from dead quiet to 50 mile an hour wind within... 10 seconds. Holy cow. And he, Shannon hollers at me. He was heading for me. And he's like, go get your horses and go, like, just get out of here. Go to your Grab house. Grab that head you know? rope off the steer <laughs> on your way by. <laughs> no, and he's like, I'll get the steers. Like, just go get your horses loaded. And I was like, okay. And I had an old Circle D three horse mm-hmm. uh, steel trailer, yep. you know, and it has oh, the yeah. steel back door. And I'm parked facing south. So my door has got to open, like, to the west and this is where the wind's coming from so and people don't maybe not know tornadoes almost always come west to east yeah like almost southwest to northeast all, is yep, usually the track always, they take right. and so this one was actually moving southeast which is weird but anyhow it it hits out of nowhere and i get to my trailer and i had two horses and i get the halters on and about the time i'm trying to get this door open like I'm 150 pounds in college, probably like (laughs) not the biggest guy in the world, but sure. Like it's blowing so hard. I can't get my, I can't get the door open to get my horses loaded. So I'm like, I don't know what to do. And it's hailing, raining, like it's bad and lightning. And I could see like in Oklahoma, people don't understand. Like when you, when there's a tornado in Oklahoma, like all the local stations shut down and it's just tornado coverage. So yes. like you have a minor in meteorology by the time you're like 18, if you just <laughs> yeah, pay attention yeah, to the yeah. weather a little Look bit, at you this know, cumulonimbus, yeah. we're in trouble. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So like, I kind of halfway know like what's going on at this right. point. And so I'm looking and I'm like, that sure, like when the lightning hits, I'm like, that sure looks like a tornado. And my house is like right there. And that tornado is right there. And this is getting sketchy fast. <laughs> And so I, I really wish my trailer door to open. Yeah, and I can't get in my trailer. And so Shannon's other neighbor was actually there, and he was getting he was done roping, like he was just kind of hanging out. And I had nothing to do, so I'm like, well, I got to get out of the way somehow. Well, like 
Shannon didn't have a barn or nothing. Like he had a, like an old box car as a tack room mm-hmm. and that's it. And I'm like, well, I can't get in there. So I don't know yeah, what to that do. That will blow away. Right. But that hopefully won't blow away. So I'm on the, be the east side of my truck, my trailer and I'm leaned up against the fender well Jeez. and I've got both my horses, like kind of their heads underneath my arms and like, it's full on like golf ball size hill. And I, <laughs> I feel my trailer hit me in the back. Come and on. And then like, I hear this bang and like my wheels are like coming off the ground. The wind's blowing this hard now. And I'm like, I've got to get out of here. Like, I don't know what to do, but I can't be here I don't now. Want to be under this trailer. And anymore. luckily, like by the grace of God, it was his other neighbor. That guy came over there and he's like, hey, come on, come with me. Load your horses in my trailer. And he had gotten his trailer moved. And anyway, we got him in his trailer and... Jeez. Looking back, I should just move my truck the other way, and I could have got the trailer door open. <laughs> Things but, you think of after the fact. Yeah, but you live and learn. Right? I was like 19 at the time, so oh well. But yeah, it was wild. That was that was the only only one I've ever been caught in or like yeah. been up close to yeah. or anything. So we lived in a little lane, I guess. I don't know why. It seems like there was tornadoes all the time. Like you would go, you'd hear about your neighbor like four houses down. Like oh yeah, you know Wilson's lost the roof. You're yeah. Like, oh yeah, rough luck. Yeah. It's kind of. I saw a documentary one time on National Geographic where crocodiles kept eating people in the river, and they kept going in the river. And I'm like, why would you? Why would you go in the river? Like, that seems like the dumbest thing. Like, if they're eating people, don't go in the river. And they're not adapting very well. Yeah, right? (laughs) And then I think about it, and I'm like, you know, tornadoes keep hitting, and we just keep living here. So I guess it's kind of the same thing. You just get used to, like, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, like, where Colin Von On lives is, like, south of Newcastle. Mm -hmm. Like, that's, like, where they're at all the time. Just a hotbed. Yeah. So I think this is an interesting concept, and it's more general than specific, and I want to hear your perspective on it because you see guys – roping and they like they've got this they've got these goals they want to go rodeo for a living everybody wants to go rodeo for a living and there's this thought that once you reach a certain level all your problems go away right (laughs) yeah the guy that's like a five and he's really working at it he's like man someday i'm gonna make the national finals yeah and i think there's a mass misunderstanding of how many nines exist in the world that are also not rodeoing for a living right what i mean is like there is a giant moat between the guy who's an eight-plus healer that ropes good. I mean, ropes great, probably makes a living jackpot or training horses or whatever. And the guys that are going to make in the finals. And your name, and it, it, the first time I heard your name was uh, Thorpe was riding your horse at the NFR, a little bay horse yeah. that would stop so hard. Yep. If you don't mind, and I mean, you can tell me yes, no, or whatever, but I, I would like to know more about what it feels like to achieve what you achieved early, what it's like right now, and then where you see it going in the future. Is For that, me, myself? Yeah. Yep. So yeah, I, I, so. I want to because here here's why it is. I, I think it's such an interesting thought to think there are guys that rope as good as you rope yeah. that have won what you've won, and yet Clovis is going on today, and you're not there. Yeah, I'm in Wickenburg. Right. <laughs> not not a bad place to be. No, not a bad place to be. But but for that guy, like I, I guess I just think about that. Like I said, in my mind, I think about that guy that's maybe like a five and really working at it. That like, hey, the problems or the challenges or the difficulties don't end at a certain yeah. World Series number. It's a real misconception. Like, a lot of people, and I was this way forever too, and I heard, I've heard i heard Paul say it. I think he has been quoted saying it, like, whenever I got to be really good or be a 9 or a 10 or whatever, like, you don't struggle with your roping anymore. And that could not be more false, you know. Um, so I guess kind of the long and short of it for me, like, Growing up, I wasn't good. Like, I think people see me now and, like, 
I feel like I rope good still, but I don't rope. I don't think I rope good enough, or else I would be at Clovis. I would still be spending my last dollar trying to make the NFR. Right. To me, right now, I'm 30 years old now. I've been. I, I my rookie year was in 2015. I was 22, and so. Did you? Did I've it feel had, like you waited a long time? Like 22? Man, it, feel it like felt you like waited I waited forever. forever. Yeah. It felt like my like I I accomplished a decent bit like I didn't win win the college finals or anything but like made the college finals a couple times whatever and then it was kind of like okay I checked that off the list and then I was kind of ready to start rodeoing yeah, well I guess it's time yeah. for the NFR now and and I actually tried to move to Texas um after my sophomore year and I was going to transfer to Tarleton State and I went down there did the whole thing like I had everything done except for packing my house and they called me and said hey like I don't even remember the number, but it was a lot. Like 30 hours won't transfer over. And I'm oh, like, no. I'm, I said, so how long is it going to take me to graduate? Because I told my parents, like my parents had, like, if you'll go to college and get a degree, like we'll help you rodeo the first year or two. But like we'll kind of help you get on your feet and then you'll, you can go. Yeah, but you got to like, school. But you have to go get a degree. And I'm like, well, perfect. Like since I was a little kid, all I dreamed about doing was just going and rodeoing for a full year right. just to see what it's like, you know? Well, there, I and mean, I think that's everybody's dream. Everybody right? wants to win, right? Yeah. But it's not just that. It's like, what are the California rodeos like? What are the people yeah. like? What's the landscape the like? What's the Northwest like? Like yeah. it's, it's like getting out and getting to explore the world. Even yeah. if, even if it doesn't go the way you want it to go, there's still so much good about getting to, to well, just I always, see it. I grew up in like, I'm I'm pretty honest. Like I wasn't the best kid, like even around our area. Who like, was a kid named Derek Jansen? I thought was amazing. I don't know if you've you still hear him. that name. Like that guy yeah. still ropes. Yeah, he ropes and and ropes amazing. But like growing up, I was like, <laughs> if I could rope like Jansen, like right. I would be. My problems are over. <laughs> yeah, like I would be the best ever. You know, like I would go pro right now. Is what I yeah. felt like I would do. And so I wasn't that good. And so I always was like. I needed feedback. Like, what do I, I always thought like, if I'll go for, from Reno till Pendleton, that will tell me how good I am. Yeah. Because it, and, and it's not, it's kind of true. It's not necessarily true because like, there's a lot of things, especially as a healer that are out of your control. Like your header might not turn one for two weeks. That's not my fault. Right. Necessarily. You literally did. Now, if I let everyone run straight hazing. to the right wall, it's kind of my <laughs> fault. But, like, right. if, if he doesn't catch, that's not necessarily meaning right. that I'm failing It's myself. still costing you money. Yeah. It and still costs you money and time and everything. But so I wanted feedback. Like, that was my whole deal. Is like, I want to know how good I am. And it's kind of funny. My rookie year roped with Colton Schmidt. So we go to Canada and we're headed to Pinoca. And he's like, dude, I've had so much hell at Pinocchio my whole life. Like, I've never done good. I want to win this rodeo so bad. And I'm like, yeah, this is a sweet rodeo. And, like, get there, and, like, there's 25,000 people there. And I'm like, this is the most For perspective, the Thompson awesome. Mac holds 17,000. So yeah, 25,000 like, is no joke. Yeah, like, there is more people there than I've ever seen at a rodeo before. <laughs> and so I'm like, holy – and this is, like, during the finals, and we get through the whole deal, make short round. We end up winning Pinocchio. And I'm like, dude, that was the most easy thing I've ever well, done. I gotta be honest, I don't see what was so hard yeah, about like, it. Dude, how come you haven't won this rodeo every year? You know, like that's what I'm thinking. But right. like I've been here once and I won yeah, it. So. Like, yeah. And so that's the only time I've ever been. I'm one for one. So. Really? Yeah. That's a pretty good record. Yeah. So that's that, instantly the Canadian finals. 
Yeah, yeah, I just had to basically just get my count then. Right. And so, anyhow, but we, we rodeoed all that year, and then, like, you know, you start off with a win, and you win Pinocchio, and, like, I'll never forget this, and this sounds so crazy, but as a kid, you know, you grow up idolizing all these guys, and then all of a sudden, like, I'm 22, and I'm amongst them. Yeah, they're your like, peers. Yeah, like, Clay Brian Cooper's rode with Derek Begay. Like, how cool is that? Absolutely. You know, like, everybody was, that was, like, the dream team of that year, you know, everybody's rooting for him. And I'll never forget, like, I had known Clay trying a little bit because I'd moved to Texas in the spring of 15. Where'd you go when you moved there? Stephenville. Did yeah. you stay with somebody or had your place? I stayed. Uh, it was me. Tyler Milligan had a house there. And um, it was me, Tyler Milligan, Brady Norman lived there. I was the old man of the group. They were <laughs> all way younger than me. And then uh, Cooper, uh, Cooper Martin stayed in this trailer there. And so... The calf ropers into that deal ended up sure. having great careers. The team ropers, we we didn't pan <laughs> out as much, but anyhow. And so, I'd been around Clay Tran a couple times, and I kind of knew him. Like we would speak or whatever, but like we weren't really buddies or what right. whatnot. And I remember we leave Pinoca, drive all night to Cody, Wyoming, Slack, get there just in time. I go and check the draw, and I'm like, I'm walking back to my trailer, and I hear somebody say, "Hey, sirs." And I turn around and look, and it's Clay trying, and he's like, dude, great job at Pinocchio. That's awesome. I'm so happy you won that rodeo. And I was like, you are? <laughs> I'm like, Just that you're wait happy? A second. Like, yeah, Much like, less for me? Yeah, I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> like, why are you being nice to me? Right, like, you're, right, you know, like, you kind right. of have the... Do you not see me as threatening at all? Yeah, is I'm that like, what's going like, on? Like, this guy must really disrespect me if he if, if he thinks you're not playing mental games with me. Yeah, if he's congratulating me and actually being sincere, like he really thinks I suck, probably. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but I, level like, nine even, mind games. Yeah, exactly. But I was like, man, that like, how cool is that? Like, yeah. Clay Tryon was just that like, I did something he thought was yeah, cool. like I didn't even think he knew. Yeah, but like somehow he had found out. You know, like whatever. So that was cool, but. I have the end always, of that year. I have always gotten along with Clay. I like Clay. Me and Clay. I are have good also friends. watched yeah. Clay say and do things in front of people that I was like, I think that would really frustrate me if he did that to me. It's never been targeted to me. We've yeah. always been good. That's the but same for way people for me. who are like, yeah. screw Clay trying. I'm like, well, it might have been one of those moments. You yeah. know, like I can understand why people would think he's kind of like prickly. Yeah. I just I don't I've always gotten along with him. I don't know. Yeah, he's always been super good to me. Yeah. Like him and I, which I've never roped with him. I've never, yeah, you know, same. Like, I've never missed a steer for him in my yeah, entire life. I've healed every one of them by both feet for him. But, uh, so, so, anyway, so you started to say later that year, sorry. Well, later that year, like our summer did not keep going that good. What happened? We were both young and trying to figure out how to win. And, and had he made the finals at that point? No, no, he made it the next year. Uh, he roped a Shea Curl the next year and made it. And, and that was like, that was tough because Colton and I were really the same. Like, I I didn't want to be the guy that hung around the house that never went and tried to see what I could do. Right. Like, that never intrigued me, staying mm -hmm. home and, like, just being around Oklahoma. And right. for lack of a better term, and I'm not even going to say, like, I was a big fish in a small pond there, but, like, I had really good runs there. When I showed up to the Ropens, like, I had the best guys for the most part, you know, and, and whatever. Like, when I was in college, like, I roped with Andrew Ward and Nick Sartain at most of the jackpots around there. Pretty good. Yeah. Like those guys <laughs> have had pretty good careers. So, and not every single time, but like a lot right. of times, you know, right. like I'd have you those guys. Runs. Yeah. I could get the runs. And then, so, uh, the end of that year, like Colton, he calls me and he's going to rope a shade. And I'm like, Hey, I would do the same thing. Like 
Shade made the NFR. Did you, would like, you, if, if Colton would have called and said, hey, I want to try it one more year at that point, would you have said yes? Yeah, because I really wanted to rope with him. Because so we, we had really worse similar. If it's like you have to live with it, but it's not yeah. really what you wanted. Yeah, and we had, because we had really similar goals. Like, I felt like he had a fire burning inside of him that I had inside of me. Like, yeah. we both wanted to conquer, conquer this. And growing up around where I grew up, there wasn't, many people like that yeah you know, like right. a lot of guys sure. were real content with just hey whatever happens happens right. and looking back it might have been easier on my life if i'd have been like that but totally disagree i i wanted i i wanted to rope with him and then you know his career takes off and and mine went the other way the next year and so, so that was that was a tough pill to swallow don't i, I hope nothing that i'm about to say is, sounds ugly because i do not mean it but it was like you were hearing the names like you said win pinoca rodeoing with colton and then it was almost like he just kind of disappeared for a little while and yeah and, and keep in mind i was a calf roper until 2014 so everything i know about team roping is only literally about eight or nine years old um was it a choice well, like what happened because it was like the, I mean, the horse makes the final so your name is getting brought up a, a lot that wasn't till 18 so like but six, i mean but i mean you're familiar with your name i guess what i'm saying is like yeah. familiar with your name but it wasn't like you were seeing you rodeo or you weren't seeing you right. out there or anything it was just like a guy that ropes goods made the college finals but i don't where to go right yeah i i like <clears throat> 16 i went and rodeoed with uh brit ellerman mm -hmm. and i loved roping with brit like we we had a great time roping together um, candidate for nicest person in the PRC. Yeah, yeah, like he's he's up there for sure. And um, do you know, by the way, he's on the podcast. Do you know that Brett is starring in a Hallmark movie releasing this Christmas? I did not know that, but that doesn't surprise. <laughs> Brett would be good at that. <laughs> yeah, like he would be yeah. good at that. And we we didn't have a ton of luck. And I had a chance to rope with uh, Dole Hoskins. Yep. And the year before he finished like 18th in the world, like him and big he cheese. Did? Yeah. And 15, like all the way to the very end, Poway, San Bernardino had a chance to make the NFR. I don't know why I didn't I, know I, 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 I don't know for sure, but I know they were finished in the top 20. That's pretty good. Yeah. And so I'm like, well, shoot, I've got a guy that's asking me to rope that right. almost made the NFR. Like, okay, this was perfect. You know, like this what is kind of wrong. Right. And everything went wrong. Like, we did not <laughs> win anything, hardly. And we took turns messing up, you know. And and don't get me wrong, like, I don't want this to come across as, like, my partners were bad. They not weren't. Like, just what, just I had the partners I felt like I deserved. You know, like, yeah. I don't feel like I deserved anything better than that. But we we both took turns missing a lot. And that, that doesn't – that's not a good formula for success no. on the road. And so I actually came home early in 16 in that summer and then uh in 17 this is this is funny but in 17 i actually worked at echo brand okay in sales yeah. heck yeah and so well i was just so broke like I i'm not had, i'm not kidding you if everything went to pot tomorrow i promise you the first place i'm going is ken bray i'm gonna go tell yeah i'll sell something for I, you i would love I to tell work you what, like company. it was still to this day it was one of my most favorite jobs i've ever had i could completely understand that and i, I worked in sales on the west coast so you know I, I sold ropes and saddles and stuff to people the only part that i could not handle was i worked in a cubicle all day mm -hmm. long from eight to five monday through friday and it was just like 
(laughs) people are either wired for that or they're not. Yeah. And I, like I did it and I tried to love it and, and I was going to stay, like I had no plans on leaving. And, um, a good friend of mine that works, uh, at Stephenville trailer, she's her husband kind of manages it. And they called me and they're like, Hey, like we got a trailer sales job open. They make like six figures a year. Like, are you interested? I'm 24 years old. Like, uh, yeah. Yes. As a matter of fact, as yeah, luck like, would have can it. Can I start tomorrow? You know, because like Echobrand didn't pay just right. outstanding. Just a good job. Yeah. Like, but it was just a good job for, you know, whatever. And so I went and did that for almost a year to like, that was, I want to say like in the spring. And then I made it all the way to like the end of the year doing that. And then. Did it work? Yeah. I made it. I mean, I made a lot of money doing it and I enjoyed it. Like. The two things I nerded out on as a kid was horse trailers and ropes and saddles and, sure. you know, like everything. So it's kind of like, well, I sold ropes and saddles and tack and all right. this stuff for yeah. a while. I might as well go sell some trailers for a while too. So what was the, what and I was, was pretty good at it. I mean, what was like, the challenging part about selling a trailer? Do, do, do they sell themselves or like, do you actually, are you responsible for having the correct sales pitch? I don't, I, my sales pitch was like, look, like here's the trailer. I'll tell you everything you need to know about it. If you want it, buy it. We can make a deal. If you don't want it, that's fine. But you know, this, like, this is like pretty low pressure deal. You know. Well, okay. So let me let me tell you why I'm asking. Like when we call about advertising, because the podcast is still within the first year. Mm-hmm. They say that it takes five years on a podcast to be profitable, and the reason that that's important to me is I love doing this. Yeah. I freaking love this podcast. Of everything that I do, riding yeah. horses, all the stuff I got going on, I really do like this the most. Yeah. I love the people I get to meet. Um, I get teaches me how to be better at mining, like. If I run into somebody at the vet clinic today, I can sit there and have a conversation with them. And even people that aren't super talkative, like I feel like I'm getting better at interacting with people. There's a lot about it I like. So, of course, I would want to do that for a living, right? But when I call somebody about advertising, because I'm the head of my advertising department here. (laughs) Yeah. Is... They're going, it's a cold call. They didn't yeah. show up on my lot going, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to like invest in a podcast. Tell me what yeah. you got. And like, well, here it is. Like I'm literally calling them out of the blue and it is genuinely like first 30 seconds of here's who I am. Here's what we're doing. Here's what I think I could help you do. I, I, I really try to only call people that I really believe I could help sell the product. Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> this is not in a commercial in any way, but give you an example. I saw a company this week that does solar lighting. Oh yeah. I seen your post about it. Dude. Yeah. That was an easy one. I called them like, please, please let me yeah. represent your company. Right. I, I like that's not always the case. Like I, everything that I that I we advertise, I use. It's it, yeah. it genuinely like that it's a real deal. And I'm not trying to get off the trailer sales. I'm going somewhere with this. You're good. Um, but this summer it's gonna be like 120 degrees, and then the sand's gonna be like 250 degrees, and it yeah. ruins your ropes. It's hard on cattle. It's hard on horses. And like I got a bunch of horses I got to ride, and like I've been kind of you can't do it in the daylight. I've been stressing here. out about it. like yeah. last summer when it would get hot. The minute you could see the sun, it was too hot. The yeah. minute you could see the sun, as soon as there was direct sunlight, it was too hot. In the mornings, yeah. if you got up early enough, it really wasn't that bad. And then, yeah. bam. So I've been racking my brain. I see this company the other day. I'm like, please, please let me, like, let's work together. Right. So there, it's a solar light company on mobile poles. So you set up on your arena, six hours of daylight, you get 12 hours of charge. And I'm like, I'm sold. But then you got to call, like I said, then you got to call and it's like starting at complete zero, right? Yeah. I've always wondered if you had a job where you're selling a product where the customer comes to you, where would that, you know, where would that land on the stress level? It, at first it was hard. Cause like you don't want to fail. And like, I'm getting paid mostly commission. Like, right. It's I'm, like a waitress. Like you yeah. get the bare minimum, but then your tips. Yeah. So like 
I'm sitting here going, man, I really need to sell some trailers because I don't want to go broke. Like, mm. I'm just kind of living paycheck to paycheck as it is. I got this job because I'm broke. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, I, you know, when I first started out, I was like, don't let a customer run. And I'll never forget this lady. She was one of the very first people I sold a trailer to, and she was a lawyer from Louisiana. Okay. So just picture lawyer, Louisiana, female. Fireball. Yeah to say the least. <laughs> and she had a really a really unique trailer she was trading in. Like it was this was is unique like a nice way of saying something else. Well, it was super nice, but look, it was like really white on the inside. And so when okay. you go to Outlaw Conversions and you're building a trailer, they're like, "Okay, here's kind of what's really popular." Not many people had a lot of white cabinets in their trailers at this point. Right. You know, nowadays you kind of see them. Yeah. But Shout out Jackie Crawford who made the yeah. white interiors and so, popular. Anyhow, I'm like, I don't really want to trade for this trailer, but I need to get this trailer out of here because it was been on the lot for a while, whatever. So I make her a smoking deal. I'm like, because I had, I mean, I'm looking at my numbers on my computer going, okay, I'm only going to make X amount of dollars right here, and that's not much, and I'm going to get percent of that right so i'm kind of doing all this and i'm like all right so i give her the offer and she doesn't want to do it whatever which i'm kind of like i'm already Hold making on. like you a no deal. like come yeah. on you know like you really need to do this and finally we we reach an agreement and then she's like oh and by the way i want to i want you to take that trailer to outlaw and add I don't remember what it was, like a generator start button in the nose so she could kill her generator without getting out of her bed. It's actually a good idea. Which, it's a great idea. We actually put them in trailers after that. Really? But to do that is a lot of wiring. Is a, like It's an expensive job. And she's like, you should just do that like on the house. And I'm like, Listen, no, lawyer. Not having it. And then she's like, I need like 25 hat racks instead of two. And I'm like, no, I can't. I mean, also no. Right, like I'll put two more in the bathroom, but like, we're not redoing the whole hat rack. She wanted like a custom hat rack because she showed some, I don't know, Arabian don't jumper or whatever. Admire people though, like I, I, every and, now and then you said, you're like, I admire the fact that your social awareness is so low that it will allow yeah. you to ask for so good for you, man. Yeah. Like, good for you. Like you, you have some guts. Yeah. Like, like yeah. I don't have, I mean, no, like, man, I know, but I really admire that. For, I feel bad for asking for extra ranch at the restaurant. Way. You know what I mean? I'm the like, same way. And they just like come right out with it. Like, oh, also I'd like you to add yeah. an axle. Go yeah. <laughs> and so I finally reached my point where I'm kind of like, screw it. Like, I don't care if I sell this trailer to you or not. Like right. at this point, I don't even want to do business with you. Right. But you're, we're already this far in. And I kind of like snapped at her and was like, look, like I've made you a hell of a deal. I'm making no money on this trailer. Like no money. You're already it. winning lady. Yeah. I said, you can either take it or leave it. And that's how it's going to be. I said, if you don't like it, my office door is right there. And <laughs> her attitude changed instantly. And I kind of learned like you have to control the sale at that yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah, so because a lot of people will come in there and they got checkbooks and they've got the money and they're like, well, you need to cater to my every need. I do. But you're not going to walk all over me and tell me yeah, how there's I'm going to do, right do business you. on my end. Yeah, there's a line of people behind you that'll buy this trailer. So yeah. it's you or it's not, but it's not going to be been completely over backwards. Right. Yeah. I'll tell you something else, though. Like I pastored for a lot of years. 
And when you do that, you see a lot of people come through and, and I'm not a good counselor. I'm just not, I'm just, I'm just not. <laughs> but what you see a lot and it goes both ways is like a husband that's kind of rough on his wife and kind of beat, like beats the life out of her slowly over time. You know, he's not complimenting her. He's kind of rough on her, doesn't really respect her. And she takes it, she takes it, she takes it. And then you would think logic would tell you the wife finally has enough and leaves, but it's almost never the case. It's almost that the guy will like, just suck the life out of somebody and then lose respect for her and then leave her. But it works the other way too. Like you'll see a wife that just doesn't respect her husband, is always down on him, telling him he's stupid, he doesn't make enough money, and just beats the life out of him. And if he takes it, pretty soon she loses interest and she moves on. Yeah. There is something about that respect level that says, you can push me so far, but then that's enough. And yeah. that there's a balancing element to that that's true in literally almost anything in life. Yeah. And, and it, what sucks, what's really unfair about it, is the people that are trying the hardest to get along usually come out. Um, you're usually the, the yeah, little guy on the stage. Yeah, kind of. Like, yeah. and, and I'm not saying you shouldn't be agreeable or you know, have some grace or try to get along with people, but just exactly what you said. It's like when you reach a limit, people like instantly have respect for you. They're like, yeah. oh, okay, well. Yeah, I'm telling you, she was I'll build my own house. instantly just perfect to work with. Yeah. And like. Her husband's over there taking notes. <laughs> yeah. I, I, was, I remember when she left, I was like, I, I told Kelly, I said, I've never been so glad to see somebody leave ever in my life. Like, that was a straight-up miserable experience for me because I don't like to be the bad guy. You know what no, I mean? Like, I mean I, nobody likes to be, to be yeah. the guy that's like, hey, screw you. You're right. not going to do that to me. Right. You know what I mean? Like, nobody wants to do that. Yeah, so. How dare you make me the Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Join me as I take you on a tour of our advertisers. You guys check out LoneStar.TV. It's a church that speaks your language, can be attended from anywhere. Randy and Darla have a personal mission to make people that are unable to attend geographically still feel like they're a part of the, the core group of what happens at Lone Star Cowboy Church. It's the most successful cowboy church in the nation. Huge vision, huge mission, great at loving people, doing a fantastic job with their online audience. If you guys can, check it out at LoneStar.TV. What do Caleb Driggers, Ren Richard, Haven Medjid, Shelby Beaujolais, all have in common. They all feed beet pulp. I'm with Brian Edwardson, president of Unbeatable Feeds. It's highly digestible, all natural, low sugar. I feed it to my horses. I'm telling you, I can notice an absolute difference quick. It took me my horses a week before I could see the difference it was making. Give it a try. Your horse will thank you. Anywhere that you have a tractor supply, you can get it. You can add a subscription. They will get it to you anywhere in the country. Unbeatable Feeds. Check them out at the website. www.unbeatablefeeds.com We live in one of the hottest real estate markets in the Western industry here in Wickenburg. It can be confusing. I know that people from out of town go, okay, where does everything happen? What's in the middle of things? What's the dark side of the moon? Let me tell you, Erin Freeman, she's not only a friend, she is an absolute professional in the real estate industry. You can find her at Erin Freeman Properties on Facebook. You can check her out at erinfreeman.realtor on Instagram and TikTok. Here's what I like about Erin. She is from a team roping family. She understands that when you call and say you're looking for arena, you don't mean a riding pin. When you say I'm looking for something with stalls, it doesn't mean four panels chained together. She understands the industry, but she also understands the, the, the lifestyle. One of the things I'll say about Erin, that, like I said, not only is she great, I don't know if she'd want me saying this, she also kind of keeps her finger on the rental industry too. So if you're looking for a rental, maybe not officially, but I can tell you she knows where it's at. She's also brutally honest. She will tell you exactly what's happening in the industry. If you're too high, if you're too low, if what you're looking for is achievable, if she has in her inventory what you're looking for, you will get an honest assessment from somebody who not only understands what you're looking for, but where to find it. Check her out, Aaron Freeman. 
not going to do that to me. Right. You know what I mean? Like, nobody wants to do that. Yeah, so. How dare you make me that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it, uh, it was, it was kind of fun. I've, what would have caused you to leave a job like that? Cause I think there's a lot of people that would have settled in and gone, well, yeah. I, got, I got a deal. I was just, I, I'd still go back and forth. Like I, I left to go back rodeoing. Like that's what I did. And I'd made money and I was starting Ready to rope to again. <laughs> and then like, yeah, but I was, it was crazy. I'll never forget. I was amateur rodeo on that summer with Corey Smothers and who's one of my very best friends to this day. And shout out Smothers, but he, uh, we, I would start work at like seven thirty in the morning, get off at five and like Thursday through Saturday, like Thursday night, we'd go to an amateur rodeo somewhere, get back late. Like I'm talking two, three hours right, of sleep right. back at the office, work all day, Friday night, take off. And then I had to work Saturdays from eight till noon too. Oh, wow. So like, it was a lot of hours and I was still trying to rodeo, still had a dream, still had a lot of, still had a lot of hunger. So things like know? hope and joy. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and so like, I just, I remember my dad came and visited me during that summer and he was like, I don't even know how you do it. Like, cause I would get home, I'd get off at six and I was actually living in Weatherford at that time and working in oh, Stephenville. Wow. That's yeah. not a short drive when you're No, doing it's it like day. 45 minutes, yeah. hard 45 minutes. Right. And so I would get home, you know, seven in time to like saddle a couple horses, rope till dark, get done, clean stalls, run to town, grab something to eat. And then like hopefully be in bed by midnight, one o'clock. Mm. Like that was my Monday through Friday, most likely Saturday. And I was just like, okay, I'm burning the candle at both ends and I've got to just do right. something different. And Manny Gisquiza called me and was like, hey, I need a partner for this winter. And I'm like, okay, that's a pretty good run. Like, right. I, I probably Here need to go. do it, you know. And him and I had pretty good luck. And then he decided to stay home that next summer. And I rodeoed with Pace Freed that summer and then in 2020 to also. And Worst year of rodeoing in the history of oh, the world. Miserable. That was That was terrible. Not very many rodeos. Everybody's there. It's I went not- to places that I never thought I would ever go. Yeah. Did we yeah. just did, did that sign just say Vermont? <laughs> why, yeah, yeah. why are we here? Yeah. Why do why did we go from fuel Utah was cheap. to Iowa? That was the only advantage that year that fuel was cheap. Yeah. Everything else was just through the roof and it's spread out and stupid. Yeah. But um I guess to go way back to your question, we got down a rabbit hole there. But like uh in eighteen, Wesley rode my horse at the finals and then like that was like right before me and Manny started roping. So then like it was kind of weird because I kind of felt like there was some kind of expectation now for me, even mm-hmm. though I never really accomplished anything. I'm like, well, well I obviously have one of the best seal horses in the world now because Wesley just called me to ride him at the NFR and he wins a hundred and ten thousand or whatever. Ching. Now you got a little money to rodeo on. Yeah, like now I've had a good job. You know, now I can actually go and then. What was crazy is I actually had money for the first time in my life. Like, I had more money in my bank account then than I ever have, right. still have ever had. And when I would go, I won more then than whenever I was, like, broke or, you know, Dude, there's almost something, broke. Dude, there is something to that. Young people, listen, I, I, I will stand by this, whether it's my son or whether it's anybody else that asks. They did a study on how many people that win the lottery go broke. And they said the first thing, you'll know the answer to this, what's the first thing people do when they win the lottery? Oh, probably 
go buy a house or a car or something. They quit their job. Or, yeah, yeah. They eventually, they, right, they, yeah. They, they, immediately they quit their would, job, right? Yeah. The problem with that is the job, it's not the job, it's the daily structure. It's yeah. the daily discipline. It's the thing that gets you out of bed in the morning. It's the thing that keeps you going. It sets structure into your life. And I, I will scream this from the rooftops. I really believe this is true. Everybody thinks of a job as a paycheck, which by definition is a way to consume. Yeah. Right. I go here and get what I need and then I leave. Yeah. If you could swap that around and look at your job as a way that you contribute to society, it's a way that you, you give back. You're actually putting your identity Providing to a, a cause. service or something. 1000% people go, why do I care about that? It matters because we're wired to be contributors. I can prove it. Sebastian Younger, we're going way off on a tangent here for a second, sorry. <laughs> Sebastian Younger is an author that talked about social evolution, which I don't know, but he said, if you were in the jungle and there's 10 people and one of those is really, really, really good at killing monkeys, and that's your food source, like that's your number one guy. And every time you go out hunting, that guy brings back food. If that group of people falls under attack from a village next, next to him, who's going to be the ones most protected? That guy. That guy, because he's the biggest contributor. Right. If this guy, he's kind of lazy. Have that guy. Yeah, if this guy over here, he's kind of lazy and doesn't really give anything back. He's just eating everything. Hey, go what, see what's yeah, going on out yeah, there. Yeah, go get him, buddy, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, so we naturally understand, like, our mental health and, like, our overall society and culture is embedded in this idea of being a contributor. We need to know that what we're doing is contributing. And so when you go to work, if it's a way to contribute, well, when they give you money back, it's a reciprocal relationship, right? It is crazy. It is crazy to me how many young people here are like, man, I can't wait to quit my job and go rodeo. It's like, hold on, hold on. There does come a point. There does yeah. come a point where you've got to decide this is going well and this is going well. But people get in such a hurry to just quit their structure yeah. and give up on school and give up on their job. It is crazy how often somebody that's got a reliable income, a job that keeps them getting up in the mornings, keeps their day structure, keeps them disciplined, how often that benefits someone rodeoing. Yeah. And it would seem like it's the opposite. Yeah. If all you do all day is rope and that's it with no structure, it the average person is going to lose all their discipline. Oh yeah, for sure. I I tell people there is there's certain times in my life that I feel like I really got better at something. You know, like and a lot most of it's my roping. So there was one time, the time I worked at Echobrand, I feel like I got a lot better at my roping. Like one of my really one of my best friends, Cole Wheeler, he would meet me at my house at I got off at five, Granberry's 40-minute drive. I'm home at six-ish. Like, he would meet me there at six, help me get the arena ready, everything. I had two horses. I had two heel horses at that time, two good ones. And I got on them two, and I would run six to ten steers on each one, but I made those six to ten count. Absolutely. And because that's all I had time for. Right. Like, I didn't have time to run. Because, like, when me and Britt roped, Dude, I had five heel horses that and I had two, two of them were practice horses that could take 30 a day mm-hmm. each. He had four or five head horses and a couple practice horses. So like there would be days we would run a hundred steers. No lie. Like, and I, I don't know, people say that really loosely. I feel right. like, like, right. oh, I ran, a, I ran a hundred steers a day. Well, did you really? Cause you only got 15 in the pin and you ran through three times. So that's only 45. How many did you score? Oh, I scored five each round. Oh, okay. Well, that's now 15. Done. Now you only ran 30. Right. So, <clears throat> but we were legitimately roped a lot, but I got much more better whenever I could run 20 that I had to make count. Yes, sir. Than when I ran 60 to a hundred. I wish, I wish. And it was all because like you said, like to your point, like 
I had structure. Like I only had time. I had two hours to rope in the evening. Right. That's it. Right. You know, I, I, I'm telling you, I wish young people could understand that. You know, they say youth is wasted on the young. Like you've got all this energy and all this time. You don't need a ton of downtime. It is to your benefit to have a job. It is a benefit to you to find a place to contribute. An average young person, guy or girl, probably shouldn't quit their job rope anyway. First so of all, I, I have a really good example. And this is a story I've only told to a couple of people, but I was 12 or 13. I'm not 100% sure, but like 12 or 13. I think I was 13 maybe. And my parents come to me in like about this time of year, like April. And of course, like school's about to get out and like I'm pumped up, ready to go to the rope-ins, even though I'm like a three, like I suck. (laughs) I can't catch three in a row. I'll have to go stab a leg, mom, dad, be back later. (laughs) I'm about to go spend 200 at the rope-in and win zero. So, and so my parents come to me and they set me down one evening and I'll never forget this. And if I ever have kids, I'll do the same thing to them because it was so good for me. They said, they handed me a check and I'm like, sweet like Brian, this i got a bank awesome. account i'm 12 yeah. yeah i'm like this is awesome it was for 1200 dollars, and they said from now on you're paying your fees good luck if you go broke you have to go get a job we're not paying for any more of your fees we've got our fixed costs for your rope yeah. and, and it is exactly 1200 dollars. Yeah. and they're like here this 1200 will get you started but like when it runs dry there's no more coming from us right and like that's hard to hear, dude. It's hard to hear now. Yeah, like like it's really hard to hear when you're 13. You're like, <laughs> do I need to call like child protective services? You know, what I mean? like, you're only like giving me yeah, 1,200. Like, like what? The don't heck? you love me? And of course, don't get me wrong. This is like 2,000. I don't know, like six something yeah. like that. Like right. I was born in '92. It's so like 2005, 2006, something like that. And I'm like, what? Like. You know, Thanks, which, Mom, Dad. You're going to pay for one day of roping. Yeah, which then, then, then there was a lot of, you know, 10, 20. Sure. Like yeah, a yeah. big rope back then was the U.S., and you paid 80. You yeah. Know, they had $80 U.S. ropings then, and you're like, oh, my gosh, this is a huge roping, you know. And so, you know, 1200 would last me a while. And I don't remember, but I think they talked me into actually getting a job, too, that summer. Because they were probably <laughs> like, yeah, you suck. You're not going to win much. I mean, they were pretty realistic. So my I, very first job— at 13 years old, my mom's friend that she worked with had a snow cone stand at right next to the swimming Come pool. On. And I worked I at the snow cone stand from like 11 in the morning till like four and a half, five in the afternoon till the pool closed or whatever. And then I got home, I got done and like went to go play, ba- like I was on the travel baseball team or whatever, you know, like. So I literally worked at the snow cone stand, very first job at 13 years I old. What did your mom and dad do? Uh, my mom kind of did everything. Uh, she she uh, worked at the school. She managed kind of the quick stop there in town, the convenience store. And then um, she w- has worked at CF Industries for like, I don't know, 10 What's or something. It's like a big fertilizer and diesel oh, okay. and def plant there yep. at home. And then my dad's kind of worked in the oil fields his whole life, kind of has ran several different oil field companies and stuff like that. So, yeah. so I, I wonder this. But I guess my point was not to cut you off. No, go. I, make- I was so, like, looking back, like, at the time you're like, wow, this sucks. I've got to go get a job. But looking back, like, that was the best lesson I could have ever learned early yeah. on was, like, the value of a dollar like what it costs to do all this stuff. Right. Like 
my mom and dad were still feeding my horses. They were still yeah, getting yeah. me to the You were actually me, on your own. Yeah, that was like, all your fees. But like I was, I was, you know, kind of having to pull my own weight a little bit, you know. How and far did you make it on 1200? I don't remember. I, I don't think it was very far. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm telling you, man. Come I was on, not good. Yeah, like I worked. Well, I had to have a job to rope yeah. my whole, as a kid, up until I graduated high school in May of 2011. That summer was the first summer I did not have to have a job because I finally won enough. You bet. To like just rope. So that's the sweet spot, though. Like, what, how old were you when you became, what are you right now? What's your heel number? I'm a nine now. I got lowered last year. From a nine plus to a nine. So yeah. how old were you when you went to a nine plus? Man, it was <clears throat> 2018, I believe, after like the wildfire or something like that. So, and I'm not trying to use you as an example because I watched, I've watched you rope just like over there the other day at Rancho and like roping is not your problem. Roping is absolutely not your problem. Yeah. Meaning like if you decided tomorrow, like I want to go do it. Yeah. I'm around it enough. I watch it every day. It's not, I mean, I, I think in a guy's mind, Al Box said this one time. I thought it was so fascinating. He said, if you put goldfish on this side of a tank and a barracuda on this side of a tank, but you separate them by fiberglass, and every time that barracuda tries to get to the goldfish to eat them, he runs his nose into it, and it hurts, and it's, it's, uh, it's called learned helplessness, where you learn that there's nothing you can do to make your situation different, right? Yep. You could eventually take that glass out, and he's not even going to try it because it's been yep. such a challenge. And I think, I think the rodeo and deal is really it's similar. Very, very similar. You yeah. know, Tony Romo, I was a Dallas Cowboys fan, lived in North Texas. There was that year they were playing the Seahawks, and he was early. He's like his first year making the playoffs. And they, he's handling the kick, or he's holding the ball for the kick, and they snap the ball. He catches it, fumbles it, they lose the game. And that was like early on in his career. And it is my opinion that it became such a mental hurdle or a mental obstacle that like it was hard for him to, and he ended up never, and never made the Super Bowl, yeah. right? And Al's point was a guy can struggle early enough till eventually it becomes harder than if he hadn't gone at all. I think a lot of it, I agree hundred percent. I think a lot of it for me was like, I didn't have good experiences early on with rodeoing and those are really hard to overcome because I'm not wired. Like having a short memory is extremely hard for me. Duh. Like true. I could do something perfect a hundred times in a row, but on the hundred and first steer, if I'm rope a leg, that'll be the one I remember, you know, which is not good, but I'm like, I'm wired to be a perfectionist. And so I had, not great experiences my rookie year my second year and then like when I tell you I came home and pilled around the house and like odd jobs here and there trying to just keep rodeoing I was so broke that I could not afford to drive to town to get lunch like that's how like and I'm not even joke like I'm not trying yeah. to even no, joke I about it like that's how there. broke I was and it was like I failed like, and a lot of it was immaturity and a lot of it was like growing up, I'd always kind of accomplished like certain little things that I always wanted. And so then you almost become, that becomes a standard. Yeah. And like, and you almost expect everything to go your way. And then when it doesn't, it's like reality slaps you in the face and you're like, I don't know what to do. Right. You know? And for me, like playing sports growing up was super easy. Like, 
and not to sound arrogant, but like baseball and basketball came no problem. Like I didn't go to summer camps and summer workouts, but like I started all four years in high school. At, I mean, we were a small right. school or whatever, right. but like played on all-star teams in little league and like all kinds of stuff. And so all of it came simple. Like if you throw me a yeah. pitch right now, I can hit it. Like yeah. it just, whatever reason, right. like it came easy, but roping did not. And that was like so hard for me to get past. And it led me to a lot of lack of confidence for me, like internally. Right. And do you start, oh, dude, I don't know how deep you want to go on this. <laughs> Does it start to feel like an identity piece of like, I am a loser? Here, There's been times where I've yeah, left. Something is wrong with me. Yeah. I am not like, capable. I can't win. Like, right. I cannot right. win. I don't know what it feels and, like to be a winner, but it ain't this. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've left so many ropings and rodeos just like my guy spun the wheels off one to win the rodeo, and I roped a right leg, and it wasn't even close to getting two feet. And you're like, what is wrong? I with feel me? so defeated right now. Do you ever feel like because I and and yeah. to overcome that is is so hard, and that's what I guess to like the best way I can explain it is like that's what I think separates the good from the great, in my opinion. Like, and I'm, I'm considering myself just the good, you know, like I've never made the NFR, probably won't ever. Easy now. Who knows? Like, who knows? But it's not something that I'm just beating down every door to go try to accomplish right now. But, um, I think that's what separates the good guys, the nine, nine pluses from the tens that make the NFR. And there's a lot of tens out there that don't make the NFR. That's like, there's the a thing. Lot of guys there like, are so many guys that rope so good that don't get in. It, it, I mean, it happens all the time. I, there is like a pond of people that rope so good, and we don't know their names because for whatever reason, whether they got broke, whether they didn't have the backing, whether they just, you know, at a pivotal point in their career, things didn't go the way they wanted to go. But, like, yeah. it is not like, hey, I just got bumped. I'm not a four plus anymore. I'm a five. And that is not, listen, I love, I love low numbered ropings. I've been on yeah. record. My favorite ropings are the There's seven and a half ropings by far. That is no disrespect. Yeah. But I'm saying perspective wise, if somebody's thinking like, okay, how am I, what else am I going to have to do? If I really, you know, if I really wanted to make it out there, there is a mile between a seven plus and an eight. Yeah. There is a hundred miles between yeah. an eight and nine plus 10, whatever. Yeah. So, I feel, man, like I said, I'm trying not to, I'm trying not to go a thousand different directions because I don't want to, I don't want to take the rest of the day. But I had a guy tell me one time that when you don't understand the difference between role and identity, that you start to confuse the two. Yeah. So you rope a right leg on a steer you should have caught. And instead of going, I didn't do that well, you start saying, I am that. Yeah. You start connecting your identity to the failure. Yeah. And then, and then you, for me, like I, it would ruin my day. Like, I lived and died over what the result was at the roping and in the rodeo that day because how can you not? I've invested my whole life. So that's what I tell people all the time. I invested all my money and my whole day in that. Yeah, well, and here I am. I'm 30. I've spent – I've been roping since I was old enough to walk. So I've been roping for 25 years. Sure. I've spent 25 years getting to this level to just not be good enough. Like, that's hard. I'm telling you, like, that's that's sleepless nights. So – you know, yeah, but dude, I'm I'm, and, and I'm not saying I'm like, pushing back. I'm pushing back. I'm not yeah, saying I like say poor it. me. That, no, don't listen, get me wrong. No, like I'm interrupting. I, I get in trouble for interrupting on the show, but I'm doing <laughs> it. I'm going on records interrupting. Watching you rope, you rope good enough. Yeah, you absolutely rope good enough. 
So if I was sitting here today and I go, hey, would you ever have a desire to make the NFR? If the answer is yes, I would encourage that you should say, I would love that versus, uh, I don't know. Because it's, it, it, and I only say that for this reason. It's like you start paving the road to what feels most likely instead of paving the road towards feels like most desirable. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, and I get so that. listening to you talk, I'm like, I get it on such a deep level. I, I was the happiest day of my life. Sounds crazy, but happiest day of my life is when Tandy told me I had screwed up hips because I couldn't figure out how to sit down on calves and I won good. I, w- I won good in the calf open. Like yeah. it was not over till I went. But if a calf kicked, there's nothing I could do because I couldn't sit down on him. Yeah. And I had this like repetitive, like, what is wrong with me? People are like, you gotta stretch more. Like I tore my hips up bone on bone, like no cartilage in my hips, like tore myself apart because I wanted so badly to not be a loser. I didn't want to be a failure. And so when I went standing, I'm like, man, my hips, I just can't get my hips to feel better. He's yeah. like, dude, your hips are shot. Yeah. And I was like, thank God. At least I, I understand. Now. Yeah. Well, and, and I had a lady explain this to me. It was so interesting. She said, God gives you a shell that is capable of accomplishing his purpose for your life. Yeah. He doesn't always give you a shell that's capable of accomplishing your purpose. So when those two don't go together. But not to be all preacher, it feels like it's taking a weird turn here, but <laughs> I, I, I do feel like it's important whether it's yeah. you or for anybody else. Yeah. That people balance that and go, that's not, those results are completely separate of me. When somebody's like, well, Trevor wins because he's got a short memory. Shut up. Trevor's Trevor. If Trevor has a bad day, he's like, oh, wait, I'm Trevor Brazil. Yeah. The guy, what I didn't want to be was the guy who has a short memory, who has sucked forever and is so unaware, just so socially disconnected that everybody yeah. else sees it and he doesn't. Yeah. I was so afraid of being that guy that I would steer myself into the negative because I felt like that was the most like honorable thing. Don't yeah. worry, guys. I'm not going to think better of myself. And I overcorrected and put my identity in it. Right. And that's where... For years, that was a struggle. Yeah. I mean, years that just, like, derailed me at a personal level. I, I, I would get, like, I know I know you know what this feels like. I think everybody's rodeos feels yeah. like this. Of, like, I have to win right now, and I can't even remember what it feels like <clears throat> to yeah. make a good run. Yeah. I can't even mentally remember what it feels like to make a good run right now. Right. And then I'm going broke. So. It's, it's so, there's so much more to it than people understand that have never rodeoed yeah. trying to make it, you know, I'll never forget my, my, uh, rookie year. It was in the Northwest somewhere, maybe like Hermiston. I don't know. Anyway, uh, I was talking to Travis Graves and he said something along the lines of like, well, this is how I feed my family. And like, for whatever reason, like just something that simple, like clicked. And I'm like, like, he's got a hundred thousand dollar rig an $80,000 truck, that horse is expensive. Oh, and then his wife and kids are with him. Like, this is literally how he pays his bills. Like, and it was like this wake up call. I'm like, wow, like I got to compete against this guy. Like, and (laughs) this is how he feeds his family. And I'd love to have a family someday. (laughs) Like, I'm just trying to figure out how I'm going to get to OMAC from here. You know what I mean? Like, and so it was just, it was such a, a big wake up call for me, but there's so much more to it that people don't uh, understand until they get out there and go. I, I encourage everybody, like, if you get to an 8 plus, 9, 9 plus for sure, go rodeo. Yeah. Go do it because if you have the desire, if you don't, then don't do it. Do it. But if you have the desire to go see what it's like, go do it because you'll have a tremendously a tr- much, much more respect for the guys that do it year in and year out, that make the finals, that, you know, live out the dream yeah. 
because it's so much harder than people understand. Those guys are just the guys that are year after year after year. There's just a soldier element to it because it's not after a certain point, it's not glamorous. Yeah. If you're a 19 year old kid and you want to go see the world and all of a sudden you're winning, there's like a lot of cool that comes with yeah. that. When you're 35 years old, and you're still out there just beating the highway. Like it's the glamour's gone. Yeah. Now it's a job. Yeah. Now it's like I'm trying to feed my family. Yeah, I'm trying to do not, this and that. It, it does change. So I'm gonna ask then honestly, like in your mind, is there is it like always kind of lingering back there maybe someday, or is it like you have a real clear understanding of what you're going to instead? The reason I'm asking is for me, figuring out that I was like I was broken, like I was physically broken was such a piece because I was like, okay, then I can go pursue something else. Yeah. I can let it go. I can fully yeah. let that go and be okay with doing something else. Are you are you <laughs> done or are you? I don't know. I, it, that's that's to be determined. I'm, I'm not going to say I'm done. I'm not going to say I, I've kind of, for me, what I try to do is I felt like I tried to force all of this to happen. Yes. On my yes. time, my yes. terms. Yes. Like Deeply, this yes. is going to happen when I, because I, I want it to happen and happen this year. Like how many people show up at Odessa or Denver or whatever, you know, the first row yeah. of the year. I think and everybody has the plans of making the NFR that year. Yeah. For the most part. Like ninety nine percent of the teams there, they're planning on going to Vegas, not to the World Series open, <laughs> but right. to the NFR. So I had that I wanted I this will happen right now because I want it to happen right now. And I've kind of in the last couple of years taken a big step back and said, you know what? If the good Lord wants me to make the finals, right? I, then the the things will fall into place, right? And I'm not going to try to force all this to happen. There's anymore. such a peace with that, and and yeah, and like I'm at the point where like it'll always be in the back of my mind. I still own Rio, my horse. If I own that horse, I know I can be. I could go get sharp in 30 days and be ready. ready How old that go. horse now? He's 15 this year. Still fine. And so, but I'm at the point where here's the here's hard thing about healing. There's legitimately 80 guys that heal good enough to make the NFR. Right. 75 guys. Right. Probably. That if you paired them with Caleb Driggers, Clay Smith, Eric Rogers. They're going. They're going to make the NFR. There's... Five guys that make the NFR <laughs> heading every year that right. you everybody was wanting to rope with. Right. Cody Snow, you know, you can name whoever. Right. There's another 10 guys that are going to make the finals more kind than Kind of not. on a revolving Yeah, board, like those, yeah. those 10 are going to kind of revolve. And then there's another 10 or 15 that, like, they got a chance, too, if right. the right things happen for them. Right. And then there's, after that, after 25 or 30 hitters, it's pretty slim pickings. Right. So you're having to go and knowing... So, I'm at the point now where, like, I told the guy the other day, I said, man, I've seen every rodeo in the world. Like, I don't – somebody asked me the other day, like, did you watch a short round at Red Bluff? I'm like, no. <laughs> like, right. It just – it is what it is for me now. And I've seen it all. I've done it all. Right. I've, I've had a little bit of success here and there. And if it happens, great. If not, I can live with it too. Because so it at the end of the day, I did get to go – kind of live out my dream sure. i didn't make the nfr but as right. a kid i always dreamed about what you know like you said earlier like what does clovis california look like what is right. you know red lodge montana look like what's saint paul like in the mm-hmm. in the trees you know like and i got to go to all that stuff and i got to have some success and right. run some cool rodeos here and there and 
you know, I've been to Cheyenne five times. I've placed five times at Cheyenne. Really? Yeah. Who like, you got at Cheyenne this year? I don't know yet. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know yet. We'll see. But uh, I don't yeah. want to do that. Actually, I take that back because I don't want to be the one that goes and ruins the street. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to be the guy that weighs it off the first one for me. But yeah, but still I've, a great life though. Yeah, like truly, I've, truly, I've lived there it is. All, man, I have some great memories. That's and, a great. That's a great perspective. Stuff. And like, the older I've gotten, the more I'm at peace with it. And don't get me wrong. I would love nothing more than to go rodeo and make the NFR and run 10 steers in the Thomas and Mac just to see if yeah. I could, how many of them I could catch right? and how much money I could win. But I'm not going to beat my head against the wall right now because for me personally, it's, it's mentally unhealthy for me yeah. at this point in my life. And so at this point in my life, I'm like, okay, I've got to do what's best for me in the long term. And if that dream comes true, I'm going to be ready for it. But I'm not going to try to force it to happen anymore. It almost feels like a picture frame. And you're trying to fit this dot over here and this dot over here into the same picture frame. And you can just tear that thing apart and make a mess of your life. That's the loudest I've ever heard that train horn here. That is a loud. You can either rip the frame apart and destroy it, or you can just wait. And if it comes into focus where both dots get far enough away, they both fit into the frame. I don't know if this makes sense or not, but... There are things in my life where, like, I could bloody my fingertips trying to make it happen. And then I can think of 10 examples where I finally just, like, I let it go. I'm yeah. like, whatever, I'm not going to – I just can't live. And then usually with, it works itself out. But that's what I'm going to say. It's it's almost like that fiberglass gets lifted, and then once it's up, God's like, it just wasn't time yet, right? Like, I was yes. showing you where you're going, but you don't get to control it. Yep. So just relax, be okay, and, like, when it happens, it's easy. Yeah. And over time, I'm 40 now. So over time, it's like, why do I go back? I catch myself going back, and I'm like, wait, 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 I've been here before. I'm not going to live like this. If this happens, that's fine, but it has to happen this way. Yeah. I'm not going to surrender every ounce of my internal and external health for something that I can't make happen anyway. Right. If it comes to me, great. Yeah. If it doesn't, like, and I think you're probably this way. Like, I'm a hard enough worker. If it's just a work ethic thing, I'm fine. Well, it's that's me, the like, desperation I, that I can't Yeah, do. like, people all the time are like, well, you know, all you got to do is just keep working at it. Like how many times, I can't tell you how many uh, times I've called oh, people and been that. like, dude, I don't know what to do. Like I'm stuck. I feel like I don't have a good enough run, but I don't know, you know, like what did you, well, just keep working at it and it'll work. It, you know, Thanks, you'll, you'll win enough. You'll start winning. Uh, what else do you want me to do? Like <laughs> I'm doing everything. So that's what I tell people all the time. Like, cause you know, I'll come up to me and ask me like, what do I need to do to get better? I'm like, well, if I tell this kid, you need to run 100 steers a day, what if he's only got one horse? <laughs> well, then I'm, gonna, I'm going to single-handedly kill that kid's horse. <laughs> like, I, you can't said, tell you, right. I can't tell you, you need to rope until you don't miss anymore because he will literally take me literally. Right, right. You need to do the best you can with what you have in front of you right now. And then be do okay. Do everything that and you then can. be okay with the results. Yeah. If you know you're doing what you can do, be prepared to live with it. Yeah. And, like, I can't outwork Luke Brown because I don't have as many horses as he has. You know, like, I can't. How many horses does Luke Brown have? I don't know. But, like, whenever I would go rope, like, it was, I'd go rope with him, and I would start in the mornings, and I would go through my three or four hill horses, however many I had. I'd get done, and then, like, that was when he was roping with Jake Long. Jake Long would show up. I would leave. Jake Long would rope with him. No way. All day. Like, it was insane. Like, that guy ropes more than anybody I've ever seen. But, 
you can't tell somebody you need to outwork Luke Brown. Well, I can't, I can't outwork Luke <laughs> I can't Brown. I only have three horses. Luke, right, right. I've got to make my good horse last so right. I can hopefully go beat him at the roping right. and go win something. Like, so you have to, like, that's what looking back, I'm like, I don't ever really look back and go, man, I didn't work hard. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't think so. Like, was there times that I maybe, you know, would have done one little thing different? Yeah, everybody can say that. Yeah. But I don't – I can sit here and say I feel like I didn't leave any stones unturned necessarily in the work ethic department. I did everything I could. So then so. what now? So I get that. I feel like I understand that. I feel like that's a, that's a very evolved position to be in, which is like truly like, hey, I'm going to let life come to me. I'm going to do what I know I can do. I, I wish everybody could understand that. I, I do. I wish I, as a gift, I wish I could put that in a gift box and give it to every one of my friends. Of like, yep. there is such peace that comes with that. Yeah. Hold on tight. I want to introduce you to the companies that are making this podcast available. You guys will never hear a happier Jordan Weaver than right now. I've just partnered with Ranch Hand Solar Lighting Systems. Let me tell y'all what. Everybody asks me the same question. Arizona's great, but what about the summers? There's nothing worse on ropes than when the sand is 120 degrees. It's hard on your cattle. It's hard on your horses. I've been panicking. We have partnered with Ranch Hand Solar Lighting Systems. Let me tell you why this is different. Everybody's like, well, I can't afford the light bill. Who can afford the $50,000 install? We don't need stadium lights. We just need enough light to rope when it's not hot, when it's not hot outside, right? Ranch Hand Solar Lighting Systems, these mount on temporary poles, an average of 14 to 16 lights per arena, no more than $10,000 total. And there is no light bill. You can put them up, Turn the lights on, you're open at dark. I cannot tell you how excited I am about these. They've got a one-year warranty, 10-year lifespan, dust-to-dawn battery longevity. You can fully charge a battery on these solar lights in six hours to get 12 hours of production. I'm telling you, do yourself a favor. I'm leasing this arena this summer, and I didn't want to put a full-on infrastructure of lights, right? This is temporary. You put them up, you set them up. If you ever move, you take them down, you take them with you. I'm telling you guys, check them out. RanchHandSolarLighting.com. Do it right now. If you're going to attend an event in Arizona, check out ropingcalendar.com. It is the most comprehensive list of everything that's going on in Arizona. You can search by a date, arena. You can even search by jackpot number. You can look for only the jackpot numbers that you're looking for at ropingcalendar.com. It's available in Google, iTunes, anywhere that you get your electronic apps. It's there. Check it out, ropingcalendar.com. So I love my job. I love this podcast. I love getting to introduce you guys to the people that uh, make the industry work, stories that you have heard, maybe stories that you haven't heard yet. Um, Just moment of transparency. I I struggle every now and then with, is what I'm doing really making the world a better place? Um, I know it adds to, I know it adds to our lives. You know, there's episodes I like listening back to, but really, really in the back of my mind, I've gone back and forth with, is this really changing the world, making it a better place? That to me is why the 1017 Project has such an important role in my life. The 1017 Project, if you don't know, we provide high quality hamburger to food banks, women's shelters, after school programs. Um, we have, through our, the, through our partners, we have the ability to place a pound of hamburger. That's uh, a value of national average of $5.19 and growing per pound. We can do that for $1. And you can participate in that by going to the 1017project.com, making a contribution, making a donation, whatever amount of money you're able to contribute to the 1017 project, we can take that and times it by five. I know that one of the things that people really hesitate on, like, I don't want to give to an organization if I don't know how much of what I give actually goes to the cause. I don't know anywhere else that can take a dollar of contribution and turn it into $5 of impact. 
I am so proud of what we've been able to accomplish. I'm so grateful for the partners and the people who make it work. And it genuinely makes the world a better place. It makes a genuine impact in the lives of the people who need it. I heard a stat that 25% of Americans right now are food insecure. That means they're choosing between paying their bills or having enough food on the table for them and their families. You have an opportunity right now. I want to encourage you to do what I'm doing. My wife and I, we contribute to this program ourselves. 1017project.com. You can donate online and see your money multiplied by five. I can't encourage it enough. I really would, I would really, if I could urge you, if my opinion means anything to you, I would really urge you to strongly consider making the world a better place, making a genuine impact, contributing to the lives of the people who need it the most. We've been uh, tasked in the rural, in the rural lifestyle. We've been tasked with feeding America this entire time. This is a way that even if you live in an apartment, you can achieve that task by putting food on the table of the people who need it the most. You guys, please go check it out. 1017project.com of like yeah. there's such peace that comes with that yeah but now so where you're at now what's the plan you're being 30 and and at 30 that was a hard one for me because i was like well shoot life yeah. didn't go the way i thought it was gonna go and now i look at 30 i'm like i was still a kid like yeah what the heck i feel like i'm old but i'm also still young mm-hmm. like that's a weird it's kind of a weird age almost and I, I i don't know did you ever listen to like the podcast uh clinton anderson did last year or whatever are you and he, kidding and he was talking Absolutely. about like how you know, you have to just bust ass in your 20s and, like, that's the time to grind it all away. And I'm like, well, I did that for roping. Yeah. <laughs> like, roping's not really paying me back it hasn't at the really moment. Been, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, right. well, I kind of feel like that's going to have to be my 30s now. You know, right. like, now's my time to, like, my focus is what can I do to make money right now? Yeah. Like, so, you know, I've got different things I've been doing. Um, I've got a couple things in the works right now that, the end of this year should should start taking off probably. Just so. investment, working, business, that kind of working, stuff. Working, yeah. Do you like that stuff or is it just a necessity? I tell you what, like the older I get, the the more I like it. Yeah. Like the more of the, like I'm a real estate nerd. Like I've been studying really? that a lot lately. And like how to make a business out of investing in real estate. And, you just know. Like rich dad, poor dad stuff? Uh, Yeah, and like. I like figuring out how to make money while you're doing something else. Like, yeah, I can, I can be, yeah. Like I can be training a couple of hill horses and have these other things that are going paying me, mm-hmm. you know? And so trying to figure out how to do that. So I think rodeo to be honest, I think rodeo is a really good, uh, not really good. It can be, if you let it be a really good training ground for that because you know, you're going to be gone. So yep. your job has to be able to continue. Like if you're running a crew, yep. when I was running a crew in the oil field, I could run a crew. And if I had to be gone for a day and then be back, they kept working. I had them so organized and so lined out that if I was going to be gone, I could come back because I had to be gone for the weekend or whatever. And that's the, that's where the idea of passive income started in my mind. Yeah. It's like, oh, wait a minute. The, the faucet never shuts off. Right. Because if you just pump and pump and pump and then drink what you pump up in life, you're yeah. going to always be pumping. Yeah. You've got this, that perpetual sort of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, like, that's what, that's where I'm at in my life. I'm like, I'll do it. Like, if it makes me money, I'm interested. Like, <laughs> I don't care what it is. Yeah. Like, if that means I got to own a sewer company, well, that's not the most glorious thing in the world to run, to be the guy that pumps sewer. But if you own the sewer company, that's probably a pretty good business. 
Yeah. I'm not saying I'm interested in server business. Dude, I was like, in the septic business for five years, installing septic systems as when I yeah. was like 17, 18 years old. Yeah. Until I was 21. <clears throat> like my boss used to say all the time, I don't know what everybody's complaining about. It smells like money. <laughs> yeah. And I'll tell you what, like this is crazy. I was actually listening to this podcast coming home from uh where was it? Odessa this year. Okay. I went to Odessa with Jack Graham. And shout out Jack Graham. Yeah. Yeah. Jack's a great guy. Very good guy. And we're headed home. And Jack was probably sleeping or something. Jack doesn't sleep much, but <laughs> he, uh, we're headed home, and I was listening to this, and I don't remember who it was, but I got to thinking, I was like, in Wickenburg, Arizona, if you're just in the roping industry and you're open for business, this is the easiest place in the world to make money. Amen. Like, Amen. easiest place in the world to make yep. money. Because there are so many people here. Right. That they come here... And this is their vacation for four months out of the year. Mm-hmm. And they want to spend money. They want to, like, was they're looking Jason, to give you Jason money. Was Warner? Because Jason Warner was no, talking about I no think it was, uh, uh, I think it was Mike Fuller. Maybe okay, the yeah. Yeah, yeah, downtown. Because yeah, right. yep. I think he was talking about, like, just all the arenas and stuff that's popped up over sure. the years. And I was like, man, that's really true. Like, because I've only been out here about a year now. Right. And so, and I, you know, I was in Scottsdale before. And so now that I've been over here more in the last, you know, six months, I'm like, man, like, that is so true. Like, you just have to be. And so we've got a couple of things in the works and, and some stuff we're working on. But I, I would I would give I'm just like full of advice today. I don't know why. But if you will make a point, if a person in Wickenburg will make a point to contribute, like if I know that you wake up in the morning, and you're like, man, I'm working for Jordan. How could I make his life easier? Yeah. I'm going to make a point to make you a priority, right? Yeah. In, the, in, in the world. I'm not saying you, me specifically, in general. If a guy could come to Wickenburg and go, how could I solve a problem? How could I make someone's life easier? How could I make their life more convenient? How could I increase their experience that they have when they're here? They will line up to pay you. Yeah. They will line up to make your thing work if you are got the concept of a contributor. Yeah. It, it, is, a, it is the gold rush. Yeah. of the world if a guy has a service mentality of like hey i want to enhance this experience for you whether it's riding horses giving lessons uh train selling horses things like that if you can make a point to enhance their experience there's money to be made here yeah well and that's kind of like what i've lucked into now is you know the good lord man he it's crazy i i came out here last year to the Hershberger cell and i uh I actually PO'd the horse there, and then I ended up selling her a couple days later. But I'd always wanted to go look for horses out at DT. Yep. And I go out there, and great experience. I'm literally driving home, and Dean texts me. He's like, you want to just come to work for me? I'm like, yeah. Like, And I'm like, wait a second. Hold on. I'm about to move to Arizona. Like, yeah. that's yeah. 14 hours from the house. Like, right. that, this is a big deal. And so – that's kind of what led me out here and, you know, to like follow the journey. Like right. you, and that was like the first piece of like letting rodeo go completely. Cause he was like, Hey man, like, I don't want to hire you. And then you take off rodeo in June, in June. Cause he's like, I've done that a couple of times. You're like, dude, just be cool. Come on. And I was be like, cool. and I, I was like, honestly, I have no intentions of it right now. And I didn't. And right. And then we ended up going to some circuit rodeos and we ducked off to Cheyenne last year and made a trip up there or whatever. But, and then, Who'd you know, you up with last year? Uh, Braden Parker. Oh, I don't know, Braden. Yeah. He's, uh, 
he lived in Texas for a while, but he's from out here. I got you. But, um, and then, you know, that, that door kind of closed at, at DT. I worked there and it was great, great for me. Like I learned so much about horsemanship and everything. And then, like you said, like I had a little bit of a service mentality, this guy that I met at Dean's, like he was mm-hmm. coming down there, like he was kind of getting lessons from Dean. And then when Dean wasn't there, Dean's like, Hey, help this guy with this rope in, you know? <laughs> and so I, uh, I kind of got ready to leave DT and then this guy and I talked and he's like, well, I've got a couple horses I need rode. I want some help with my roping. We can, I think we can make this still work. I'm like, okay, perfect. That, that'll kind of tie me over till I get, yeah. get to where I want to go, you, you know? Bet. And so to your point, like just kind of having that mentality, like it's, if you just come out here and are open for business and you want to help people and you can provide something, right you can make it work. Well, it's a, it's a biblical concept. And I know that, I know that, you know, there's a Sunday school version of Christianity. That's like, these are the rules. You better not do this. You better do this. Right. And, and growing up in church, like I get that, but there's a difference between an enforceable law and a design law. And I really believe that a majority of what I read in the Bible is a design law that says, if this happens, then this will happen. Like if you throw an apple in the air, it's going to come back down. I'm just explaining it to you. So you know what to predict. Right. Right. There's a joke that there's two truck drivers and they're sitting there looking at the bridge and the sign says 13-5 clearance. And he goes, man, that sucks. I'm 14. The second driver goes, well, I'm 14-5, but I don't see any cops. Let's go. Right. And the idea being the sign is not there as a, or else it's a indication of best practices, right? There's a verse in the Bible that says that there is a, a generosity that leads to prosperity and there's a greed that leads to poverty. And I, I don't think it's God saying like, I will reward you if you do it right and I'll punish you if you do it bad. I think what he's saying is the world is designed to flourish under fertilizer and the fertilizer is contribution and really looking for ways to plug in. I I had a goal this year. I didn't PO anything to sale this whole year. Yeah. And my goal before I went, I really made up my mind. I was like, I want to bring a horse that's going to make someone's life better. Right. Like that when they buy this horse, they get him home. They go, this is a better version of life with this horse. Yeah versus how much can I get for him? Right. Because if I said, how much can I get for him? Then no matter how much he brings, I'm always like, well, he could have done a little better. Right. And it's been you amazing. You always second guess yourself. Like, oh, I think he could have brought so this much more if I had just sold him outright and somebody could have come try it. So what I did is when I thought about like, what would I take for him? I actually came off of it a little bit because I thought if somebody can get this horse for this price, they're going to love him. Yeah. If they pay this for him, they might resent him and I want him to come back the next year. Yeah. And, Dude, I enjoyed it. I actually enjoyed the sale experiences. I've enjoyed riding outside horses. Same thing. You know, like I really, I really like knowing that when customers take horses home, they're genuinely excited. And what's crazy about that is it's enhanced my life. Yeah. Like my life has gotten better in ways I really hadn't maybe even thought of as being possible in the horse world. Right. But it's, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. It sounds preachy, but I really do. I'm, I'm full on into that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, <clears throat> that was one thing that I learned. I've sold several horses over the years. <clears throat> Excuse me. And most of them have been nice horses. Like, I've only sold one or two that I was like, that is a piece of junk. <laughs> Bailing out. Yeah. <laughs> but most of them are nice horses. And the one thing, and I, like I said, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but, like, to what you're saying, I've always taken pride in there's been – pretty much almost everybody has called me or seen them after they've bought the horse and had it a little bit and been like, man, this horse is exactly what you told me he was. Bingo. Yeah. And I'm like, 
well, I don't have any reason to lie to you. Right. You know, like, right. <laughs> I'm not. Life you know, is too long to lie on horse deals. Yeah, like, I've seen horse deals go bad, and, like, right. I don't want no part of that. Right. Like, that is the last thing I want to be a part of. And, you know, they're animals. They're going to do stuff that, you know, I remember one time my brother-in-law, he wrote, he was just starting to rope, and he was wanting to buy a new horse, kind of a step-up horse. Like, mm-hmm. he was, <laughs> we take off down here to southern Oklahoma, and he's like, man, I found this horse, and he's telling me, and he's all pumped up, but he's like, I need you to go with me because, you know, like, I need kind of a second set of eyes right, on this deal. Right. And I'm like, okay. And we go down there, and he, the guy's like, well, I ain't got nobody healed for you. I'm like, okay. And I'm like, I didn't bring a horse. So he's like, here, ride this horse. So I jump on. He warms the horse up, whatever, run the first year. And I'll never forget, like, he's like, he's telling us about the horse. And he's like, this is the gentlest. This horse never bucked one time in his life, you know, yada, yada. And, of course, everybody's had this experience. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm talking chili whips him <laughs> over the front and just lands well, right on his Well, you said southern back. Oklahoma. <laughs> and, I mean, just, like, all the air in the world, and he can't get a drop of it, you know. And, I mean, I'm just, I'm dying. You <laughs> said he was safe. Yeah. And my brother-in-law, like, of course, he doesn't, didn't buy him. And, and, like, it was just a freak deal. Like, yeah. they're animals. Like, they're going to happen. Yep. But... I try to, like, whenever I'm doing horse business, I'm like, man, I'm not going to say too much. I'm going to tell you what he is and what he isn't. Under promise, yeah. Yeah, like, I'm going to tell you what he is and what he's not, and then you ride him, and if you like him, then you're going to buy him. Thank you. If you're not, no big deal. Fair is fair, yeah. Like, it's no sweat off my back either way. So are you doing lessons or anything like that down here? Yeah. Like I said, I'm working for the guy right now, and he's got goals to get better and and ropes good already yeah. and has some really nice horses and it's challenging. Like it's so challenging because, you know, ropes good enough to get to go where he's wanting to go. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the, it's the horsemanship. It's the, like we were videoing today earlier before I came in here and I'm like, <clears throat> man, it's just these small details that take you from, you know, a seven plus to a nine. Right. Like, you know, and I was telling him the other day, I was like, He's got some really nice horses, but they're they're still a tick green, and they're still a little this and a little that. And we actually found a horse the other day for him, and he and he bought him. That's 15 years old. He's he needs a little maintenance, like right, you know. But he Knows got on and rode him. I seen him over here at Rancho Rio one day, and I'm like, that's a nice horse. And not to sound arrogant, but like. I've rode so many nice horses a guy, now. A guy knows. Like, it's so hard knows. to impress me yep. a little bit. Like, because yep. you hear it all the time. Oh, I got one, and he's this, and he's that. Well, and they and believe it. People people aren't lying to you. They genuinely they believe genuinely it. They genuinely think that. Without knowing. But they don't know, right, what, right. what an yes. actual, right. like, I've, I have a horse that's been to the NFR. Right. He's been to the American. He's, right. like... I know what same, it's like. like. Same thing with calf different. Same thing with yeah. calf horses. I did but like it for it's so a whole other level that people don't even know because they've never right. rode it. Right. So, and and I, we found him the horse and like I was telling him I said, man, when I graduated high school, I was telling you earlier like I wasn't good when I was right. young. like when I graduated like I'll let you get what do you think my healing number was? Do not. I, I, I will. I guess. I will. I have no I idea. Was I was a straight six healer when I graduated high school in May of 2011. Now, the second half to this... Four years later, win Pinocchio. Well, yeah. The second <laughs> half to this is by the, the like, Thanksgiving, I was an 8-plus. Yeah. So, like, May yeah. to November, I went from a straight 6 to an 8-plus. So, like, I jumped fast. But I had a friend literally give me a horse because he quit roping. 
he's like, here, take this horse. This is a really nice horse. I think he'd be good for you. And I had another horse that was like 13 or 14 years old that was to this day the easiest horse in the world to catch two feet on. And everywhere I went, I never missed. I had two really good horses. <laughs> and like there was times that I was an eight plus or a nine. It was like, man, when I was a six, I swear I roped better than I rope now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you're like, I never miss. Yeah, like, right? I go to the jackpot. Yeah, and, the thing that got you to the yeah, nine, like, nine plus. I, I remember that summer, if I went to a U.S. roping and I did not win more than 2500 bucks, I was pissed. Interesting. Because, like, yeah. it was just like a cash cow every right. time. And so point back to my point was, is like, he got him and like finally got him a nice solid horse and i'm like this will probably be the horse that takes you to another level yeah and you know the hot thing right now and i'm involved in it too i've got young horses like we've got two futurity horses right now three actually count my own like futurity is is like everybody right now is oh i want a futurity horse i want to go to the futurity and they're great like that's fine they're doing a great job that's your goal it's the best thing that's ever happened in this industry but be careful what you wish for because your roping does not get better necessarily riding green horses and no. training. I it's, went to, I went to jackpot this winter because I've been riding a bunch of young horses, and outside horses and stuff. And like, I felt like my roping had kind of plateaued cause I wasn't paying attention to it. You know, we we're roping muleys and a lot of slow steers, walkers, trotters and stuff like that. And I just felt like my roping kind of gotten dull. And I took that horse. I ended up taking the ranch Rio sale to a jackpot at dynamite. And it was like every single run was legitimate, not joking, a half a second faster than I thought. And I've got a pretty good clock of kind yeah. of where we're going to be. Yeah. And the only difference was that horse had been seasoned. He'd been everywhere. And there was a half a second per run that I was like, dude, I don't think I roped that bad. I think I've just been riding a bunch of colts. Right. Good colts. Yeah. Good ones. Nice horses. Just, there's just a difference. Paced. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's just a different deal. And if a guy wants to get better... There's yeah, you don't go buy the training. ones that went through the fraternity. That's yeah. fine. Go buy the ones that went through the program. But yeah, like if that's your goal. Well, that's what like I was trying to help him with his roping and I'm like, man, I don't know. Like, I feel like I get it because and that's what he was like, you get it because you remember what it was like to struggle and go through, you know, hit hit walls as a mm-hmm. seven and walls as an eight and walls as a six or whatever. And, you know, I think some guys I don't want to drop names, but, like, it came easy for them. Like, they don't realize how they rope two feet because since they were knee-high to a grasshopper, right. they just have, like, okay, I'm just going to rope two feet. I'll say, I mean, I, I remember Dakota Kirkenslager around yeah. the house when he was, like, 11 years old and was, like, eight or something. <laughs> yeah. Like, it was stupid. Yeah, he's, like, and, 14 and, like, a 10 or something yeah. crazy like that. He'd, like, have know? a lollipop in his mouth. He'd, like, waving at the fans, roping yeah. at two feet. And as a kid, yeah. it just was easy. Yeah. Then there's so many people that's been like that, and I think – I, where I have a little bit different perspective, like I had to kind of really work Take at steps, it and study not the it. Like I had to study and like know why this happened. Cause then that's kind of how I'm wired too. So I've been, I think I've been able to help him a little bit in that area to where, you know, Hey, I remember what it was like whenever I had this bad habit, you know, or where my first swing was like this instead of like this. And right. so those little things like that, but, and then, but point being, it was like, if you want to get better and you want to win, like that's why I tell him all the time, like people want to go buy all these nice horses and spend all the money. And that's great. I'm all for it. I'm in the business to sell them. To yeah, you. So yeah. I'm not, luck would have not it. Not help it. you. Yeah. But I want to buy the one. If I'm in your shoes and I'm in the buyer's shoes, I want to buy the one I can win on. 
Well, not normally, the one that they've just peaked his butt. their value anyway. Like they've just yeah. reached the, and now they're coming back down where you can afford them about the time they're really getting most dependable. Yeah. I mean, a horse that's 14, 15 years old is starting to make the descent in his price value, but he's like, just as usable. <clears throat> like, I'll just use my horse, my bay horse, Rio, for example. When he was seven, was my rookie year. When he was eight, and nine and even 10, like that was, he was 10 when Wesley wrote him at the finals. Like I was still practicing on him quite a bit. Yeah. Like, he needed runs still. Like right. it wasn't like, ah, just turn him out, keep him in shape and, you know, right. rope on him at the right. ropes type of deal. Like still it was put, still, still like, buttons. Hey, like I'm still kind of like helping him through and like showing him some stuff too. And like making sure he's rock solid. Now he's 15 I haven't rode him in a month, yeah. but I can lead, pull him out of here. Lead feed now. Yeah, like I pulled, I did, I went and helped at the, that the March Rancho Rio sale. Mm-hmm. Like I just healed. I ran probably, I don't know, six or eight steers on him there. And like, I ain't roped on him in right. months. Right. Pulled him out of the pasture, go run six or eight. Like he was spot on all Dude, day. and if a guy can afford it, but he was that's 15. where you buy him. Yeah. I, I'm like, such a believer. I could not agree more. And so all these people come and are like, I want to buy that six-year-old because he's got his whole life ahead of him well that's great but you're 60 you don't have your whole life ahead of you <laughs> yeah like yeah you, you might have less right life now. ahead of you if you yeah, buy this like, horse <laughs> yeah like you need to win yeah. right now you know like yeah i think it's and, gonna correct i mean th- for years it was like the older <clears throat> solid horses and it's kind of probably a little overcorrected. I, there's nothing wrong with having a young one no as long as that's not what you're depending on to go right. win yeah. you know it's good water level off but yeah i think it's gonna come back i think people are gonna go like hey i don't i feel like i used to win more than this i feel do like you, I used to win better do this. you feel like the horse markets went down in the last six months to a year or not? um no not for the good ones i think the good ones are kind of like private jets like the private jet i, I assume having never bought a private jet but oh, i you assume don't ha- i thought the podcast bought you yeah it hasn't bought not you yet. A private jet not yet, yet brother okay. we're working on it yeah it's gonna be oh, like one that you can five. hold in your hand that's what yeah, you said yeah five after year, year five yeah but i don't feel like the economy probably really affects the sales of private jets right there's yeah. things that just don't really get touched by economic problems and then you look at like the price of eggs super high the economy right i had a horse at my house for two months this winter that should have been gone first day he was 15 years old he wasn't very pretty he was kind of big but i mean good Stand their score, could really run, get around the corner, would face just a nice horse, but he wasn't very pretty. I never had one person try him of all the horses. Yeah. Like, I had a horse, and I thought, I don't know if I say numbers or names, but Britton Hall just bought one. Yeah. Um, it was a horse that I'd sold, and the gal had some health problems, brought him back. So he actually sold twice this winter. Yeah. Um, those kind of horses, like that, I don't think it's really affected them at all. Yeah. But the horse, like the one that I had that was priced at 20000 they were dropped to 15000 The guy ended up coming and getting him, was really happy. Because the time we rode him, he said he was better when he got him back. Like, it ended up working out okay. But I think that the the not-incentive horses, like the non-Royal Buckle, non-Royal Crown kind of horses that are four, five, six years old and they want, you know, twelve to 15000 for, I think there are more of those available. Yeah. Um, a horse that you could go make a living rodeo on, I think those are still selling good so it's like it's like the bottom has kind of maybe fell off a little bit but the top is still seems like it's good yeah yeah that's what is it's interesting to me because even like the horse that the guy i'm working for just bought i was the one that called about him and i kind of i knew the 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 guy the kid he was pretty young that had him and i was like 
I don't even know if he'll sell him because it looks like a nice horse. I'm like, right. Well, he's a young he probably kid, shouldn't sell that yeah, horse. Yeah, like, I don't know if you're going to – and, like, due to, like, his schedule this summer and stuff, like, he was going to work in the Dakotas or something, and he's like, yeah, I'd probably sell him. I'm like, what do you want for him? And, he, and I knew, like, he was 15, and that was all I really knew. Yeah. Like, I'd seen him go. I really liked him. Yeah, you knew what you were looking at. Yeah, and I'm like, man, like, is he going to say, like, a hundred. <laughs> yeah, like, is he going to say 50? Is he going right. to say whatever? And, like, he told me the price, and I was like, like, how soon can you get him here? Right. Like, right. How, how quick how can you? How bad is this vet yeah. check about to go? <laughs> yeah. And, like, he told me everything, and, like, I mean, the horse has problems, but, yeah. like, they've, like, they You know what him. they are. Like, they, they straight right. nerved him. Like, yep. He's nerved in both front feet. Yep. And I'm like, I have never had a horse that's nerved, but, like, is he sound? Is he not? So, like... And, like, we even took him to the vet and was like, hey, like, we kind of want a second opinion on all this because, right. like, I just need information. So, right. So I know, like, you know, the guy that's going to buy him, like, he's probably going to eat him. Like, this will be yeah. the last home he ever has. Right. But most likely at 15 right. and a little bit of soundness issues. But that horse he can get on and catch every single time. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, that's so important. And, he, and, he, and, like, the guy has bought horses for, you know, spent some money on some horses too but like that's the best one and he spent like, yeah what a well, average prospect cost to honestly your, like to your he question costs what an average prospect rope horse yeah. cost and, and really could probably honestly probably should have if you had any any kind of health thing i've noticed that people it spooks them off age at all if they've got a teen in their in their number it spooks people off um, there are a few little things where I've se- I've seen it show up in the market. Those types of things usually make a big difference. So he probably yeah, that's probably the right buy at the right deal, and it's great when it works out like but that. Like we even talked, I was like, dude, if he would have said ten thousand more than he did, like I still think you're buying a really nice horse yeah. that is yeah. worth the money. Yeah, like, and I'm not saying he was like, you know. We we got a steal necessarily right. because I mean he could go crippled tomorrow. Well, or you're whatever, not. But you don't really get horses priced to what they're worth very often. It's almost always high. So yeah. to find one that's priced at what they're worth is like still. Yeah, them. I, I was like, dude, you hit a home run. Well, he's lucky to have you too because like your ability to see that. Yeah. You know, I, I could watch, I could watch a calf open horse right now and tell you ten thousand things about him. I could tell you his personality at the stall based on one run. Like I've I've just I've studied it so much my whole life, and I'm getting a little closer now at the head horses. Um, but when you get an eye for something like that, it really is an advantage because you're not going to go spend money on very many maybes. Right. When you know what you're looking for, yeah. you'll never really ride a bad horse ever again. Right. And, yeah. and to have somebody like you around that, that's, well, that's a it, huge It takes advantage. a long time to learn that. Cause like, I, I remember like me and Miles Baker have been super good friends, close, best friends for years now since college, probably 10 years now. And his dad is one of the best people I've ever seen. Like, look at horses, and he'd tell you that too. Like, his dad kind of has his just knows great eye for a horse. But I like, I'm like, I don't even know what that means. Like, what does a great eye for a horse mean? Like, <laughs> if you walk down the street to Phoenix in downtown at the airport and was like, "Hey, I have a great eye for a horse," that person's gonna look at you like, "What did you just say?" Sounds good, bro. See yeah, like, <laughs> like, like they don't know. You're like, yeah. that's a that's a pretty loosely right. you know term that we use, but. I went when I was at Dean's, like, that's what he would talk about. He's like, they have to be built for the job. And I didn't understand that until I got there. And I'm like, huh, yeah, that's true. You know, like, they they have to, like, the way their hawks set, the way their neck ties in, the way their shoulders are, the way. Confirmationally, it's got to be there. Yeah, confirmationally, they have to be. Like, if you got a 
an ex cutter that's downhill, he's right. probably not going to slide 20 feet. Right. He's right. probably going to hit on his front end. Well, so like calf horses, uh, like when you look at Caleb Smith's bay, that's yeah. so good. The thing about that horse that I just absolutely drool over is he looks almost bored. Yeah. Like a horse that stands there, scores, fires across the line. There's not big, like magnificent, like he stops hard, but it's not like elevated big or like the big punch at the end. He just slides into it, holds it, and then stands there with a the leg cock while Caleb's tying him. That is the kind of horse that lasts forever because he's not putting a whole bunch of extra stress. And that also tells you that nothing about that job is causing him stress. Right. He's like, man, this is easy. I can do this all yeah. day. And when you see that in a head horse or heel horse or calf horse, you're not going to have the problems with those horses as one that's got like the big monster stop. But then when the rope hits the end of it, kind of like jerks and yeah. like there's too much electricity to it. Right. But all that to say, like, it's good to have a guy like you around for picking a heel horse because you get this horse that's 15 and like, that's a huge advantage. Yeah. And like, like I, I said, would lo- I would love, I would love not to interrupt. Sorry. I would love to be a custom shopper. Like, you know how they have people like rich people have you go buy their clothes, like their <laughs> oh, yeah. stylists and stuff. Yeah. I would love that job. I would yeah. love somebody's like, this is what I want. Go find him where I get to go do the shopping. Yeah. Where I get to help somebody buy the horse that they're looking for. I mean, I'll ride them. I don't I've care. I've done it a couple of times. Like I've had a few people be like, Hey, I'm looking for this. Like if you find something, let me know. And there's been times where I have, and, and like I said, like it worked out and they love the horse. And then there's been times where like, man, I can't find you one, right. you know, like it's right. hard, you know, yeah. but it's, it least, is fun. A, like it, it's, job. it's kind of cool to, to try to find something for somebody Dude. that works. And do then we when just, it does, do we like just, it's Do really we just fulfilling. launch our Wickenburg business? Yeah, maybe so. Weaver, Cersei or Cersei yeah. Weaver. I don't know how you want to order it. I don't care whatever the letterhead's going to be. Like if you need a horse, yeah, you could call us. We will find that horse for you. You pay for it, and we make a commission. There you yeah. go. That's give a us, business. Give us a finder's fee. We'll call it. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dustin, this has been awesome. I, I, I'm excited to get to know you better. I'm glad to have you in the neighborhood. It's cool. Like I, You know how I hate, I hate when I say that I do a podcast. Everybody's like, oh, like Joe Rogan. It's nothing like Joe Rogan at all. <laughs> but I do like that he moved to Austin and then like wanted all his friends to move there. Yeah. That's exactly how I feel about Wickenburg. I want yeah. everybody to move here. I love getting to meet people, like getting to be around people that I've you know heard names or don't know them very well or whatever. Yeah. And so, It's awesome. I, I love it out here. I, I never thought I would live in Arizona and then... You know, I came out here last year and fell in love with it, and it's it's made it's been made home now for me. Yeah. So it's it's pretty awesome. Well, now that you got Cersei Weaver quarter horses off and ground now, I mean, it's sort of <laughs> I can't really ever leave now. Yeah. So, <clears throat> yep. Dude, so, thanks for coming by. It's been yeah. awesome. Appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah.